Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're back with the podcast, the final two. Today, we have a very special guest in MLB agent, Chris. Very special. Very special. I'm a little nervous right now, to be honest. I'm a little, like, got butterflies in my stomach. You're never nervous, Oliver. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Chris? How are you? Good, buddy. How are you? Amazing, amazing. I mean, we're blessed to have you on the show. Um, Everybody knows this show. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. I appreciate it. I mean, the first, I'll be honest. Let me be honest here. I put up the, the Instagram post, and Chris right away responded. was like, I want to be on that. He set it up, and <laughs> it's awesome to see that. And, you know, this podcast is about positivity and growth, and to have someone that's already successful is amazing. So, Chris, let's start it off. How, how is everything? How is quarantine? How are you dealing with all this right now? The family? The, how's everybody doing? Yeah, everything's going good. Uh, you know, obviously wish it was under better circumstances, but we we got a lot of time spend a lot of time with my family here and um which I usually do, but obviously with my job it's that keeps me busy a lot of the time. But yeah. Um but I always try and spend time with um my family. I got two little boys. So I'm always uh as you know, Oliver, I'm always uh out playing with them or coaching them. So now I'm doing it more like private lessons as opposed to in a team setting. So it's been uh, it's been a little different, but it's been fun, um, and it's uh, it's fun watching them grow um, in terms of um, playing and stuff like that. They're getting better uh, at, at ball. They love to play baseball, uh, football, basketball. So we do that a lot of the day. And amazing, That's amazing. Uh, you know, yeah. So stay active, very so active. Let's take it back to your humble beginnings. Where did where did this all start? Where did you come from? How did you? become so successful how you are. Can you share that story where you started? Sure, yeah. I, I, I grew I, – I was born in Manhattan, um, but I grew up in North Jersey uh, in Bergen County. And um, I've, uh, I've been in Bergen County pretty much my whole life. Um, I grew up, I think, just like, you know, most kids, probably like you, wanted to play ball and be a baseball player and all those things. And um, things didn't work out that way um, on the field for me. Um, which is another story, but um, <laughs> I always wanted to get into the the business of of sports and particularly baseball, and um, and um, I was blessed to be able to be able to do that. Um, I I um, went to school sports management, learned um, learned uh, business of sports in school, and was lucky enough to get an internship with the Mets in wow. um, the front office. So wow. I did that, and I was with the Mets for. Um, I started that when I was in school and did that for a number of years and then um, had an opportunity to become an agent. And I did that um, after a number of years with the Mets. And then I've been doing, I've been an agent for now 20 years, actually. So. Wow. It's amazing. That's, that's truly amazing. With, with interning with the Mets, you know, how were you able to know, like, since you interned, you started off small, of course, how were you Mm -hmm. able to work your way up? into certain positions and of course even becoming an agent mm. like what motivated you to get to that level great question well yeah i always wanted to you know i always wanted to, it was funny so i i was lucky i mean i always wanted to work for the mets because i was a huge mets fan as a kid and my dad was a big mets fan and he you know, we didn't miss a game and that whole thing and then um we went to so many games when i was younger and all that stuff so i always wanted to work for the mets and then as i got a little older i always wanted to be an agent so i ended up that's that's pretty much all I've ever done. That's been my whole <laughs> wow. career. So it really worked out for me. I was lucky. Um, but um, I, um, you know, it's been, um, 
you know, I guess with the Mets, um, I started, like I said, as an intern in scouting in minor leagues. Um, I literally bounced around the stadium. It was at Chase Stadium back back then, but um, you know, I literally bounced around the stadium. I did anything and everything. And I from cleaning out the closets and the bowels of the stadium. With if you knew Shea Stadium, there they were. It was pretty gross. I mean, <laughs> there were, um, at, you know, God knows what rodents and how did you and how did you feel God during that what. time? How did you feel during so, that time? Yeah, so it's funny. So I so basically I did my internship and then I kind of stuck around and then I was like, well, they were like, all right, thanks for you doing your internship and I did it for I had done an internship for a couple of years and then uh, after that they were like, well, thank you so much for your time and I was like. That's not it. How is that? That can't be it. I mean, what am I going to do now? And oh I just been graduating school and stuff. And they were like, and I'm like, so I said to the guy who I was working for at the time, and I was like, you can't tell me there's nothing for me to do in this stadium. There has to be something. I mean, this is, and at the time, the offices were a little smaller. The, you know, there were less people there. So uh, he was like, oh, well, there's something. I don't think you really want to do them. And I was like, I'll do them. I don't care. I just knew I had to keep my foot in the door somehow. So they were like, well, I'm going to take you downstairs. And if this isn't, doesn't like repulse you, then, you know, and I, w- I mean, it did repulse me, but I was like, I'll do it. I don't care. And I ended up doing it. And then um, at a certain point, they had some, made some um, changes in the front office and some people had, had um, been let go. And um, a friend of mine had been interning in PR in the public relations office at the time. Now it's media relations. Mm-hmm. But um so he she had been working there and we were friendly um we got to be friends and stuff and she was like I saw her she was working non-stop and I was like there's got to be a job for me there you know um it's got to you know I can help them because you know this is a lot of this a lot of the stuff they're doing it's stuff I would love to do you know I was an expert on the team I knew different things I knew the media to a you know for a young kid at the time so I started to um you know, so I kind of went there, but the problem was that when I was in, in school, they had offered me an internship, um, and the old um, PR director was a guy named Jay Horowitz, who a lot of people know, um, and he, they wanted to hire me, and I didn't really want to do it, because it was, I had to work on Sundays, and I really, I went to play softball on Sundays, that was kind of my thing, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, so at the very beginning, I turned it down. And I ended up getting a different internship and scouting in minor leagues. So now I want to go back and Jay really wasn't too happy with me at that time. And I kind of had to like earn my way back into his good graces. But once I did, I started working in PR. I started giving, he started giving me little projects to do and I started doing them. And then I really started integrating myself into the, his department and kind of um, earned my wings. And then I really, I was busting my butt. I was working around the clock. I would be, I would work. Um, get there at you know nine in the morning and literally not leave till two in the morning if we had a home game and then go drive back to Jersey and drive back in the you know drive back the next morning and uh, you did that you had a ten game homestand you were doing that every day I mean I couldn't keep my eyes open by the time the homestand was open you were working one hundred and sixty hour weeks so how how do you keep the dedication where you kept focused like I'm not I'm not giving up on this like, well I love you know I love my job you know that was the thing I love doing it so and I started then I started working with the players and that's how kind of everything started going from there and really it's funny I always tell this story and people always ask me like like you guys are asking me now like how how did I kind of make my name and really I the way I did it there were three things and you're gonna laugh at all three of them probably but 
at the time, so this is like the late 90s, the internet was just getting started. There was no like click and you can get anything you want. So the players would ask me for things. They'd be like, hey, I need to get two tickets to the Lion King. My parents are in town. They got to go tomorrow night. The Lion King was the hottest thing on Broadway. I'm like, no problem. I'll get them. I'd go up to my office and be like, how the heck am I going to get Lion King tickets for tomorrow night? But I like started working connections and meeting people and getting to know different people and taking care of people. And that was kind of my thing. And then next thing I know, I had to hook up at the Lion King. So anybody wanted anything they knew, come to Chris. He's going to hook you up with the Lion King. He'll get you great seats and, you know, hook you up with tickets and the whole thing. And then amazing. I That's had all amazing. these networks and connections. So that was one thing I was very like, I was very good at hooking people up with things. Number two, you're going to laugh at the next two even harder. Number one, uh, I mean, number two of that on that list was um, we had, um, so that was when fantasy football was starting to really roll. I was really good at it, and it wasn't like it is now, same thing. Everybody could pull up, and everybody goes off the same list, and you're crossing off the guys one by one. I knew, I know football really well. I'm a very big football fan. The yeah, players yeah. would all come to me. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, but, I would, but I knew all the, you know, I knew all the, um, you know, the NFL really well. And the players would come to me and be like, oh, I have this league. It's thousands of dollars. You got to – can you help me? Can you do, do the draft for me? So I started doing that and it, to the point where guys were getting traded to the Mets. And the first thing they would ask was like, hey, where's the guy who does the football? I got to speak to that guy, Chris. So I was like – I built a name myself, like, um, in terms of that. So that was a whole other thing. I had this whole thing. Like, people were like, oh, Chris Libel, Chris Libel. You got to talk to Chris Libel. Even guys from other teams would be like, hey, I heard you're the guru. I, I need to know. I, this, I got the third pick. What do you think I should do? So, like, that was another thing. And then the third thing, Oliver, you're going to appreciate this, was <laughs> we, had a, we had an office softball team, and we would play uh, at, you at and your Shea softball. Stadium. You love your softball, I Chris. I love softball. So, like, <laughs> it hurt me at first, yes, I, with the whole thing, trying to get back with the Mets. But when I started playing, the whole team was all the VPs of the company. And i be honest with you, I, I'm pretty good. So, I – they loved they loved me they started loving me they were like oh where's chris we gotta get chris here so i really made my you know i kind of you know they were like oh we gotta get chris here we're playing like we used to play wfan or the jets or the islanders or the nfl howard stern the wwe we played all these like teams they were everyone's come to the yankees we would do like home and home we put the yankees we played yankee stadium we played chase stadium so we would always do this and i was good they all wanted me on the team so you know, so that was another thing. Like, I, they all got to know me. So between those three things, the players loved me, the office loved me, and then, like I said, um, you know, um, it, was, it was just, like, a great, you know, great thing for me. And I got to meet a lot of great people and work with a lot of, you know, you know so, top-of-the-line baseball people. So talk to me about that. When you're playing softball with these big VPs, are you nervous? Or are you just loving the game? No. I'm no. mean, doesn't matter. That's it. Yeah, I just play the game my way and – um, I was like, did you I trash talk? Him. Don't tell me you were uh, trash talking these VPs. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. I'm, not a, I'm not a trash talker. I'm quiet during the. I mean, I'm. Well, I'm not quiet during the games. I mean, I get pissed at myself or whatever if I, you know, if I pop up a good pitch or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Then I'll be pissed at myself. But I'm not like a trash talker with the other team. I'm not a fan of that at all. Um, but um, you know, but I would, you know, but. I'm confident in my abilities, you know what I mean? So I kind of, I mean, I guess I had a little swag or whatever, so I could, you know. You believed so in I yourself. Do that. I believed in myself, so I just, you know, I just play my game, and, they, you know, it always worked out well for me. 
would you say that softball was what gave you the confidence to pursue your career or was it like it's just no it was like I said it was a combination of all those things so like the players were really relying on me because they were asking all the players were asking me for things guy like I said guys were coming in from out of town going hey I need Broadway tickets or hey I need you know can you I need I need luggage you know you got I heard you got to hook up with the luggage company or whatever you know whatever it was so I had all these connections and I knew how to kind of work the system kind of and I said the players were relying on me, then the office people were relying on me, and I was able to build a nice network and um, kind of make myself important, you know. That's amazing. In my own little world. That's amazing. So talk to me. I have one question. How does it feel to see, let's say you're an agent, you see Dominican baseball players, young, seeing these guys grow into something oh, yeah. big. Like how does that feeling to you? Isn't that is that an amazing feeling? Like, how? Yeah. So – yeah, of course. Um, you know, the, to go and be there from the beginning, day one guys, um, to go see them go from, you know, from a certain level and then take it to all the way to the top and become an all-star or sign a $100 million deal or all those things. I mean, of course, that's, you know, that's what you're in the business for. And obviously, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's um, monetarily speaking, it's good. But, um, you know, obviously, on a personal level, you have relationships with these people that are, um, you know, you just, uh, you know, you can't fabricate, you know what I mean? They're real relationships that you have with these guys and yeah. um, you're in situations with guys that, you know, so for me, it was always interesting and always fun, but, you know, I always had these, you know, I have a million stories and I could tell, but you know, obviously some were crazier than others. Some were probably not, we're not going to talk about today. But, <laughs> um, maybe in private. I'll... To, piggyback, <laughs> to piggyback what Ali was talking about, you know, discovering, you know, international stars. You know, obviously the biggest one we got to ask is, of course, the star that is Jose Reyes. You know, take us back to what it was like, you know, discovering Jose Reyes and what it was like to dealing with an international player and representing him early on in his career before he took off. Yeah, so Jose, um, you know, Jose was, is, is, um, was from a pretty humble place, um, real small um, place in Dominican. And, uh, yep, and he, uh, and that's how, yeah, of course, that's how I know Oliver. But, um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, Jose um, was from a small place in Dominican, and he he had um, you know uh, we had had gotten word um, on him, and um, which was um, that you know that we should we should jump on this guy when he just got first got to the states, and um, said I sp- had spoken to Eddie Toledo, who was the uh, scout that signed Jose with the Mets, who I had known because I worked in the scouting department for the Mets, so. Um, Eddie, Eddie spoke real well of him, and, and we, we signed Jose sight unseen at that time, um, 16 years old. And wow. um, he, um, you know, I just knew just from who I had spoken to and ha- knowing the Mets organization at that time, because I had just left the Mets at that time, um, I knew, you know, he was someone special. I always went out of my way to try and reach out to him. At that time, he didn't speak a word of English. I didn't speak a word of Spanish. But that's we crazy. Somehow, you had that much trap, that that much trust, trust. Yeah, like it was amazing. Yeah, we somehow had a bond from the beginning. We always um, had that relationship that we always were close, Compadres. and somehow we we communicate to each other. You know what? Compadres now. Compadres now. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you know that sound? Really... Compadres, brother. No, they no. they actually. I'll let, I'll let Chris explain that. Oh, there's a well, meeting behind it. Oh, yeah. So, compadre, you know, the, you know, obviously the meeting is now, hey, we're partners or good friends or whatever. Yeah. But in, 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 in 
I guess I know in Dominican against the Spanish, <laughs> but in the, Sp- in the Spanish community, Spanish community is, yeah. is if you ba- basically if you baptize, if you baptize somebody else's, if you're the godfather, so if you baptize their, oh, wow. their their children, yeah. So yeah, I baptized three of Jose's daughters, and um, he baptized my son. So yeah, I don't. You know, it's funny when when we talk to each other, right? You know, you know. I mean, in Dominicans, they don't. You call him, you, you know, so compa. I don't call him Jose and he doesn't call me Chris. I it's compa. Him, I call him, yeah, compa. Everything's compa, compa this, compa that. So it's compadre for short. So everything is, uh, is compa. It's, so, it's, it's funny um, because when he presented me Chris, I'm thinking he's like, oh, like, you know, my agent, this and that. He's like, compa. And he keeps saying compa and compa this. Like, oh, compa's coming. I'm like, compa, what do you mean compa? Like, is <laughs> and I realize it's Chris. I'm like, oh my God, like, this is amazing. This as dope. It's, it's crazy to see. I mean, his birthday party last year. It was amazing to see how much love you guys have for each other. And it's, it's honestly something so genuine. And it's, it's awesome to see because as well as you and as well as Jose, you guys were open hand when you guys met me. It was like part of the family right away. And it was amazing to feel that love. And how, you, how do you guys stay so genuine and so real no matter what well, success level you guys Again, I think it's, it's funny. We were, talking, we were just saying about even like about softball or whatever. Like, um, you know, Jose is, is just, he's the, he's a great guy, you know, he really is. And, you know, there's a image of him as a ball player and there's an image of him in the media or whatever it is. But unless you know him away from that, you don't know what, you know, what he's about. He's just, he's a great person. Um, there's, you know, there's not too many, he's a spe- really a special person. Obviously he's, he's a great baseball player who's accomplished so much in his career. Um, but he's, He's a really special person, which people don't see. And I'll tell the quick story. Um, you know, my wife, she, she, she's Dominican. And she, when she first, before, I, you know, she had even met Jose and she, but she had known about him and known about my relationship with him. And she was always wondering like, what the heck? Like, how is this even happen? Like, what, how does this even work? Like, how does Chris and, and Jose Reyes somehow have this relationship like that? And then one day we went, um, I brought her to his house. And Jose and I would do what we always did. We always go right to the room and we sit down and we start talking and um, have the TV on. And we got whatever MLB network on or whatever it is. And, um, you know, Jose's wife and, and my wife were in the other room talking or whatever. And then um, we we had, you know, we were there for a while or whatever. We went home and we were driving home. And she said to me, she goes, you know, I never said this to you, but I never could figure out how you could have this relationship with Jose Reyes like that. She goes, and then I looked over and saw you sitting on the couch with him. And she goes, I realized even though on the surface it doesn't look like you guys would be compatible at all, you guys are the same person really because yeah. you're just, you, you know, Jose on the field is a exciting, um, you know, energetic guy, but in real, you know, in his real regular life, he's a chill guy. You know, Oliver, he's, Super he's so chill. laid back. He's just, you know, we Super were just sitting watching chill. TV. We're talking, we're going over a couple of things, um, you know, for, for work or whatever, or some, you know, whatever it was that we were, we were talking about at the time. Um, and, and, you know, and that's what she saw. And she was like, this is just like Chris sitting at home, you know, what he does at home on, in, on his own, you know? So, and again, it goes back to what we, almost what we were saying, Oliver, as funny as it sounds, but like with softball, like same thing, like for me, I'm just like on the field, it's different than, you know, off the field, you just, you know, whatever, but I don't like, I'm not a trash talker, but I'm confident. And, you know, my, my, might rub somebody the wrong way, by the way, I, you know, maybe I play or whatever, or, you know, I'm a little, maybe a little flashier or whatever when I'm playing. So. 
Nah, it's, it's like one full circle, you know. It's like you stay true to yourself in everything, in softball, in life, in success, in failure. Can we get onto that too? I want to I wanna hear that. When is the time you felt like was you failed, the first time you failed or the first time you went through something that changed you? Like Yeah, so when I went to um... – when I went to school, I, you know, cause I went from like being a small fish in a big pond to being a big fish in a small pond. And that was hard, you know, at first, because I, I was homecoming King and all these things at my school. And all oh, these really? Chris? Things. Yeah. I was running up. So, wow. <laughs> I was running up. Like, so like, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, a few months later, I'm like sitting there, I'm, I felt alone. I was lonely. I didn't, you know, whatever. And so that was hard for me at first, but I, you know, was able to turn that around. And then, like I said, I, I was like, uh, you know, working part-time in the, in the closets of Shea Stadium. So that was, you know, another time, you know, my friends are starting to get their jobs and working and doing all these things and, you know, succeeding. And here I am sitting here going like, when's this going to happen for me? Yeah, it's cool. I'm working for the Mets and I get a paycheck, you know, with their logo on it. But, you know, it's not as much as I want it to be and all those things. So, um, so those were hard times. But, you know, I said I always knew it was in me to, to succeed and do well. And, um, you know, I've always carried that with me as well. And I've always also had a lot of support from my family, especially from, from my parents. My mom and dad were always real supportive of me and always had my back, um, which, you know, you know, isn't always the case. Some people are, are more than others, but, you know, Oliver, I know your parents, they're, they're like oh that too, but, but not every, you know, not every parent, not every parent is like that. A lot of parents are, you know, all right, I just put you through college and I get out of the house and you've been living off me long enough. You know, that wasn't the case. My dad was like, you stay here as long as you need to and you do what you have to do until you get, get what you need. Do you feel like that has helped you become a parent too? Following that, those footsteps oh, yeah. of your parents? No question. Yeah. I mean, I just follow my dad's lead with most almost everything. I lost him about a year and a half ago, but I mean, I still follow, you know, I mean, there's no, the blueprints there, you know, and that's always cool. going to be followed by me. I'm, you know, again, I think everybody has their own, style or their own um, personality and you know I mean, my dad was like a larger than life guy but he also I guess his dad pushed him really hard and he yeah. when he didn't succeed his dad got on him for it my dad was the opposite I mean he and kind of actually now looking back I kind of wish he was a little harder on me with certain things you know especially with playing because I think I could have played at a higher level I mean yeah. my dad played college baseball my brother played college baseball I think I was probably better than both of them if yeah. you know, realistically. And I just, yeah, but I just didn't have that like drive. I didn't find my drive really until it was like in my early twenties in terms of that. So I, I, you know, um, you know, it was too late at that point to be, to be a ball player or whatever, get a scholarship or something. Talk, but talk, talk about that drive. Like where did that drive, where did, where, since you said it last twenties, where did you find that drive? Like, you know, that drive does, Truly, you're an inspiration, Chris, where you at right now. Well, I appreciate it, Albert. I don't know about that, but I mean, I appreciate it. But I, yeah, I mean, I just think, like I said, it was always in me. It just took a, took a longer time to, to surface, you know what I mean? I mean, it, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do with my kids. You know, I don't, I just don't want, listen, my kids do what they, they want to do, but I don't want them to leave any of them on the table or have any regrets like, hey, why didn't I, why didn't you push me a little harder to go, you know, yeah. play? I could have, I could have played, you know, I could have gotten, you know, gotten a scholarship or I could have, you know, been a pro or whatever it is. So that's why we're out playing, you know, that's why I'm out there playing with them every day. And, you know, and trying to, you know, instill that um, work ethic. And, and again, if this isn't what they want to want to do when they're, when they get older, then that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that, but maybe not that okay with it, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, but with if that, they want to do something else, then they can do it. You know, with that being said, if you were to go back in time, say, see yourself again, 
what what would you advise yourself to say you know even though you know that career path that you had in mind of course playing professional didn't work out you know what advice would you have even say like for kids coming up playing trying to play d1 and it doesn't work out for them in high school or whatever what advice would you give them as a backup plan yeah i mean i think listen at the end of the day you know that's that's a big dream you know to have if you if you got that dream to be a ball player that's a that's a big big dream um you know and you know the reality is it's not going to come true for most most people you know when i say most i mean really most i'm not talking about 60 40 split or something you know what i mean it's it's a very small small um you know club so to speak that is going to make it so uh, you know, I think, you know, you always have to, yeah, I mean, I think you got to go for it, do your best, try as hard as you can and, and, you know, and leave, leave whatever you have on the table. If, you know, you know, it may not happen for everybody, but some people do have that drive and the talent and the environment that it all comes together and then they can, they can take, you know, turn themselves into, into a career or whatever as an athlete or professional athlete or whatever, or even just a scholarship, you know, and get you through college and pay for your school to get you you know, to get you a degree or whatever, and, and then, you know, go from there. But I think, you know, you always have to, you know, definitely, like you said, have a backup plan and find something you love, you know, at the end of the day. I mean, I think that's the most important thing, um, you know, is that you want to find something that you love to do. I mean, I think if you don't, you're going to, whatever the old saying is, is, is true. You know, if you, if you find a job you love, you're never going to work a day in your life. And that's, I think that's the ultimate goal. That's great advice right there. Another question, and it goes, again, it goes back into, you know, how you were able to work your way up into be, being at the status you are now as an MLB agent. You know, what are some tips for college students when you were in that position to make time management a priority so you can balance both academics and, of course, uh, you know, goals for your career and your future? Yeah, I mean, listen, academics has got to come first at that point, you know. Obviously, goals are great. But I mean, if you're if you're stumbling in school and, you know, then you're not going to, you know, you know, succeed, but you got to find a balance in life. I think everything in life is about a balance. You got to um, you got to have time. You got to make time for everything. You know, if you all put everything into school or don't do anything else, well, then that's probably going to go off the rails at some point, you know. Um, and also, you're, you know, in terms of mentally, too. And I think right now, especially in the world today, you know, you're finding a lot of um you know, a lot, one of the, I mean, the, the newest plague now is, is, I mean, aside from obviously the obvious that's going on right now with the yeah. coronavirus, but, <laughs> but really the newest plague is this mental, is mental illness. I mean, I'm hearing people, young people who are, you know, are having major problems and you're even hearing some, you know, so many sad stories of people dying or whatever it is. And that's, you know, you know, so you gotta, you gotta keep a balance in your life. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's great to be doing your schoolwork and working hard, but make sure you have time for, you know, some play or having fun or doing something you like, whatever it is you like. So if you're, if it's watching sports or playing sports or going to the mall and shopping or whatever it is, is going to work for you. Just make sure you make time for everything, make time for your family, um, all those things. You know, I think for me, I know with my family, like, you know, I said, I lost my dad a year and a half ago, but I, you know, I never felt cheated because I, you know, I spent so much time with him. I always, you know, we did everything together. So, you know, that always has been, you know, I know it for me, it's been easier than it is for other people. We're like, oh, I wish I did it. I wish I did that. There's really nothing I wish I would have done. I spent so much time with them, but I was always able to balance the fact that I was working my butt off in my career and I was still playing sports. And, you know, then the last bunch of years, you know, spending a lot of time with my kids, but I still always made sure I spent time with my parents or, you know, whoever, you know, whoever's important and what is making time for me. 
Absolutely. And I love that too. One big thing I do want to take out of that, what you just said, you know, again, sorry for your loss with the passing of your father. No, I appreciate you know, family is priority. And we even, you know, embody this. So I'm the manager for the men's basketball team. We would write down the goals and we would talk about what means the most to the players. And I think this goes around in any sport or any organization. Family always comes first. And I love that you mentioned yeah. Yeah, and everybody, you know, everybody, everybody says it all the time. I don't know if everybody lives it all the time, but I think, um, you know, you said they always say family first, family first. And I think, you know, I said, you know, my clients know that. I mean, I'm trying to be there. I try to be there for all my clients at all times. But um, like I said, I mean, you know, my two, uh, my two little boys are the number one thing, and and that's it. Everybody else knows that, you know, from top to bottom. So in my life, so. That is, that is one thing, one thing I've, me and Chris have had many conversations about a lot of things, but one thing I got to amend Chris is the love he has for his kids. That is beyond beautiful how much support he gives those kids. He puts them in everything. And even at Jose Reyes' birthday party, which I was around them for the first time, the kids, and saw them playing basketball, you could just see that Chris, like, supports them. And, you know, that's something that made me look at it. Like, when I have kids, that's something I want to do with my kids, too, put them in every sport, show them love. So one, that's one thing I do you know, admire of, you know, how you are as a father. And that's huge. I mean, that's something really. Well, yeah, that's my number one thing, you know. So, I mean, at the end of the day, um, everything else is great. But, you know, being a dad is, is most important. Of course, so. of course. Well, you got a great dad too, Oliver. Don't forget. Oh, no, 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 no. No, of course. No, my father is without a doubt. But one thing I do want to say is talk to me about Miami. Where did your love for Miami come, Chris? Oh, your my love for Miami. He's representing today. He's representing. <laughs> always, always. Um, no, Look how so he stood up. Look how he stood up for this. He he's, loves he's Miami. Happy. He's confident now. Let's he go. Loves Miami. <laughs> well, I was going to try and show my shirt, but I was going to No, uh, so my dad actually played baseball in Miami. And, um, yeah, so that's all. <laughs> the, so I the didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you didn't know that? No, you never told oh, me that. Yeah. Yeah, my dad. I think I did tell you that. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Well, anyway, yeah. So, so well. Long story short is, um, well, it'll probably still be long. But my dad, um, um, my dad played baseball. Was from grew up in Brooklyn. He went to um, Erasmus Hall High School in Brooklyn. He was a good baseball player, um, and he got a scholarship to Miami. So he went down to Miami, and um, um. He played there for a couple of years. Didn't really work out. The coach didn't like him. It was a whole other thing. But he um, ended up um, kind of stopping going to classes and uh, <laughs> kind of hung out on the beach and, you know, had a good time instead of uh, doing what he should have been doing. So he ended up kind of getting thrown out. And he ended up coming back up here. And uh, my grandfather had a connection to NYU. So he ended up going to NYU graduated from NYU um, after a lot, after having to bounce back from kind of missing a lot of schoolwork. And yeah. then he ended up um, going to law school there as well. So um, you know, he turns out very successful, but the long, well, the, I guess the, the story is, so here's how it all started. When I was a little kid, I was at a friend of mine's house and the friend, my, my buddy, um, his dad went to Pitt, University of Pittsburgh. And at that time, um, he, um, I went there and on a Saturday afternoon, my dad was very big baseball fan, very big, like he loved NFL, um, college he would have on, but it'd be background. You know, he wasn't really like zeroed in on college football or anything like that. And basically, um, he, 
you went to um so i i went to my friend's house and the Pitt panthers were playing and they were playing penn state i think and it was a big game and they were they were all into the game the whole family was going crazy with every play of the game and i'm like wow this is this is so fun this is intense and so i went home and i said dad i said i just watched the Pitt panthers game with uh you know with my buddy and i was like that was amazing i go wait, wait you know there he his dad went to Pitt. Where you know where did you go to school? He goes, oh, I graduated from NYU. And I was like, oh, so they have a good football team. And he just started laughing. He was like, no, NYU doesn't have a football team. I'm like, really? I'm like, oh. He's like, but he goes, but I did go to Miami before that. I go, do they have a good football team? He's like, no. And I was like, oh, well, I'm gonna still root for him anyway. And literally, that was when it all was just starting in Miami. So I started. You guys are way too young for this, but before like the internet era. You would get, like, if the game wasn't on TV, which Miami usually wasn't on TV back in the day, in the newspaper the next day, you would get, like, it would list straight on the list, down the thing. It would list the school, like, all the game results, just a score, nothing else. So I would go to the paper when I would, my dad would bring the paper home on Sunday morning and be like, oh, Miami won. So literally the first year I really started following was them. They lost the first game, and they won, they ran the table, and they got to the national championship game, which was, like, the big, you know, I mean, which was ridiculous. I mean, they, it wasn't, it was probably, I mean, I don't know what the odds were going to the season, but there was no, nobody ever expected Miami to get anywhere near that or do any of that stuff. I remember even there was a thing called, you, this is going to be, make, date me so bad, but there was a thing called sports <laughs> phone. You would call like a phone number and you would, they would give you like updates of the scores because you couldn't <laughs> get it. So it was like real time updates. So you would call for, and it would, it would charge you like, you know, for a call. I mean, yelled at but they played Florida State, and like the last game of the season, if they won, they would get to the national championship game. And it was, well, it wasn't a national championship game really, but it was the Orange Bowl. And um, I kept on calling, and the guy they kicked the field goal to win the game. And I started jumping up and down. It was in my kitchen, my parents' kitchen. I was jumping up and down. I was so happy. And they got the national championship. They won. And then like the whole U started basically. So like it was just the right place at the right time. And I was I always like my favorite. My favorite baseball player I grew up, like, idolizing was Daryl Strawberry, Doc Gooden, those guys with the Mets. So, like, I was – I would, and I love, like, the bad boys kind of, so to speak, of, like, whatever. So, like, Miami was, like, the bad boys at college football. And I grew up in, you know, I said northern New Jersey. Everybody was Notre Dame and Penn State and their black shoes and their hustling. <laughs> and, and then I, the Miami's out there and their flashy colors and dancing and partying. I'm like, oh, these guys are the best. And everybody hated them, and I loved them. That made me love them even more. So that started everything. And then I started like, but, but I started like following all their sports. So I would watch their baseball games back in the day. And um, basketball actually was gone for a while at Miami, but then it came back. But I, as I said, I, I just became a huge. And then through the years, it went on. I ended up in the 90s. I ended up getting um, season tickets down there. So I'd go down there for games, and um, I still, which I still have to this day for football. And then I was trying to go to baseball games, basketball games, whenever they're up here. And now I got my boys. They're uh, now they're crazy fans now too. So, you ever need a partner, Chris? If you ever need a partner, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> let me know, man. For real. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to transition to another topic, and I want to go back into you know your role as an agent, an MLB agent. You know, for people that don't know, Jose Reyes, you know, played for a bunch of teams in the MLB, which is normal since you know as a player you look for a contract that suits you, and of course that suits you to be the best fit for a team you know similarly you could think of Vince Carter and Shaq how they did it in the NBA they went to numerous mm -hmm. teams mm -hmm. it's not a bad sure. image 
So what I do want to ask is, you know, what was the process like for you when you had to trade, you know, have your player trade to different uh, teams and, you know, what that perspective was on your end? Yeah, so, I mean, it's not technically trading, you know, it's a free agent. So you're not in control of trades generally unless you have a no trade clause. Then that's something else. And then you can, um, then you get, you know, an agent would get involved. But if, if the guy doesn't have a no trade clause, then the teams can trade and trade guys as they, as they wish, um, generally speaking. But um, in terms of, um, you know, free agency, yeah, I mean, you know, we're looking to secure um, um, the player's future, obviously. Um, but I think with, with um, you know, at least the way I've done things and my company's done things through the years, we treat it as, the, as though the, the client is the boss. And you're, you know, and you're just kind of helping them through the process. You know what I mean? We, ha we don't do it the other way around. There are some agents who are like, listen, I'm in charge. This is what I'm doing. I'll do what I decide to do. That's never been the way we've done things. We've always done it um, that we are going to, um, that you know, we're going to do what, you know, what the client wants. We're happy to give our advice, our information, use our expertise and all those things. But so we would leave that to the client, you know, so. Sometimes, you know, sometimes a client will take less money to stay in a certain place or to, you know, whatever it is, you know, ideally, you know, you want to obviously make the most money you can make, but sometimes money isn't everything um, for your clients. You know what I mean? So, you know, you got to go by the client and they're, you know, and then some, you know, a lot of times the family's involved too, especially wives and stuff like that. And sometimes guys are happy where they are and they don't want to go or they don't want to um, take on a new challenge. But I think, like you said, the life in baseball and, and professional sports is nowadays, where as opposed to years ago, where guys would stay with the same team for a long, long time and probably never leave unless they were traded or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it is, it's a life that you're, you have to be prepared for. And, you know, I mean, I don't think Jose ever wanted to leave New York, but I mean, I know Jose never wanted to leave New York, but, um, you know, it, it, he became a free agent. And really, I mean, he took, he took the Marlins had offered him um, you know, the Mets never even made an offer to him. So he took the, uh, you know, he took the, the best deal he could, you know, from, from the, you know, the team that, that he got yeah. the offer from. So one thing I want to like really ask, what is the feeling when you see, for example, Jose Reyes, Sam Miami for that enormous amount of money? What is that feeling that goes through your head? Do you feel like, wow, like I saw this kid at 16 years old now signing yeah, of course. for a hundred million dollars. What is that feeling? Is that an amazing? No, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, of course it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, to see a kid and, you know, be where, you know, have been where he comes from and see, seeing where, he, you know, where, where he grew up to end up where he is now. I mean, it's, you know, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. But, but like we say, Oliver, you know, it's so few and far between and, you know, he's so lucky. I'm so lucky to have, have, have represented him for, for this long. And, um, you know, and he's lucky that he was gifted the special talent and the, makeup that he has to get you know to, to make what you know make what he make into himself what he has it's amazing that's amazing just to see and the, to go back to what i was saying prior was just how you guys you both because both of you guys like how you guys stay so humble and so the normal like don't change up on anybody and just say the yeah. same people you well, are is amazing i always say the same same thing with jose jose has a lot more money in his bank account when i first met him and his clothes are definitely a lot nicer than they were when I first met him. But, but <laughs> real and, – and, and he's come out of his – you know, I mean, listen, that's one thing you always see. Like, you know, you see guys and, – and, again, I did it myself too, like we talked about. But 
you know, everybody comes out of their shell at a certain point. When I first saw Jose, I mean, he didn't, he didn't say it. He was really quiet. You know, now he's, you know, Jose's life in the party. He's always he's so outgoing and friendly. His true personality eventually comes out once, yep. you know, as you get more comfortable in your own skin. And, you know, and, and that's what happened with Jose and happens with most guys, you know. I mean, most guys are very quiet when they're younger. And then, um, you know, at a certain point, they start to say, hey, listen, I, you know, I belong here or, I, you know, I deserve this or whatever it is. No, that's awesome. amazing. That's truly amazing. Well, you got, you got I was going to continue one more thing. You know, we were talking about, you know, the, the downs, the obstacles that you overcame. So now what was it like to really have that feeling that, like, it was almost like the greatest moment in your career? Can you talk about some, like, the moments in your life that you will never forget in your career as an MLB agent or whatever you accomplished on your own? Uh... Yeah, I don't know if there's any anything particular that I would just say like, oh, this is this is the one thing or whatever. I mean, I said I've I've had a a great run, I've had a good career, I've um, done a lot of things that I never thought I'd do. I've had, you know, I said when I was with the Mets, it was funny. We had, we did other things, you know. I mean, I work with a lot of celebrities, um, which is always fun. Um, you know, speaking to people on the phone or dealing with, um, you know, huge name actors or movie stars or singers or whatever it is been able to build relationships with some of them through the years have you know some friends that are you know in high places that you know um that you know i never you know that you know when you're a kid you could only dream of it so i mean i said you know as i always say it could happen to you it could happen to anybody you know if you put your mind to it work hard and um and enjoy what you do i think that was always the key for me i mean i always enjoyed my my job and like I said that was always my dreams and I you know I achieved them so um you know that's I think that's one of the things so like I said I have a lot of friends in the business I can always um still pull a rabbit out of my hat when I have to, to to hook somebody up or take care of somebody generally speaking even though the world's changed a lot since I started doing that back you know back back with the Mets amazing that's amazing one last thing before we go Chris how did the internet era change the whole, the whole recruiting process? Like you were there from the start. How did the internet era? Yeah. Where you can see videos now, and you don't have to go to that oh, site yeah. to watch the players. No, now, it's a different thing. But you know what? At the end of the day, Oliver, and I think you know this. Uh, you know, you, you know. Sometimes a guy looks, you see the video, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> and then you see them in real life, and you're like. Ugh, what is that? <laughs> or whatever it is, you know what I mean. Uh, right or the wrong. internet obviously is opening a lot of eyes. Also, you know those diamonds in the rough or the people you're finding, you know they're not happening as you know what I mean as much now because there's so much scouting and so many people out there. But so many things are covered now through the you know. So um, it's I I feel like um, the um, you know obviously it changes the game quite a bit. But at the end of the day, you could still, I mean, you think someone's going to look at a video of Jose Altuve 15 years ago and be like, oh, there, that guy's going to be the best player in baseball? No one would think that. So, That's you know, but look at him. Yeah. 100%. You know, so you just never, you never know when it comes to that, especially with baseball. So, you know, other sports are a little different, but with baseball, you know, we had, you know, Dustin Pedroia and Jose Altuve arguably at their, in their height or the best player in the game, you know, or one of the best players in the game. I mean, they're tiny, tiny guys who just, um, you know, who are just great at baseball. You don't see that very often in other sports. I mean, in, you know, I think, uh, you know, you might see a small guy succeed in basketball or football, but 
they'd have to be like a freak in another yeah. nature, you know what I mean? Whether they're just ridiculously fast or, um, you know, whatever it is, ridiculously good shooter in basketball or whatever it is. So, um, but I think, you know, baseball, I think obviously the internet changes everything, but um, it's not everything at the end of the day. You know, you still got to, you know, to me, you know, you still got to get a, a scout with a good eye can, can find things that other people aren't going to find. And you're not going to see on video or, you know, some guy sitting in his mom's basement, basement isn't going to see. I love that you mentioned that, too, about the, you know, players, even like Jose Altuve, you know, he's short. But, like, the, the mentality, I'm going to take it from what Nate Robinson has said. He has it on his book yeah. as well. You know, hard, it's hard over height. And I 100%. feel like many scouts, sometimes, sometimes scouts overlook that. You know, they, they, over, they just look at the physique and then the height. But you just mentioned it. You know, for someone like yourself, you look at the potential and their hard work ethic. You know, Jose had that. In basketball, Isaiah Thomas had that. And yeah, but I don't well, think it's well, scouts that are overlooking it. I think it's I think it's the people watching, and then you know, and especially nowadays with social media, everybody's got um, true. everybody has something to say, you know, has something to say about everything. So yeah, I mean, they can, many they can do it. But Nate Robinson, I mean, is a great example. I mean, the guy played football at Washington. He played basketball at Washington. He made the NBA. I mean, he he was a cornerback, and he was great at a cornerback. So I mean, yeah, he wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but look, he, he turned it into you know, a two-sport athlete who, you know, got his scholarship and then, you know, could have gotten a scholarship in both sports, played for both teams, and then, you know, ended up playing the NBA for a long time. So, I mean, yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, it can be done, so. Love that. It's amazing, Chris. Chris, we thank you for being on the show. We're 100%. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having awesome me. Awesome to hear your story. And hear Love the story. Your story. That was amazing, I think. Wow, just, I mean, we talked a couple times. <laughs> we talk uh, randomly all the time. So, Chris, I thank you so much for being on the show. I hope. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Our viewers saw your Appreciate motivation, it, your drive to be successful. And thank you for watching the final two. You got two. it. Thank you guys for having me. Peace. Take care, guys. <laughs>